Welcome back to Coast to Ghost. I'm Carly. And I'm Charlie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The awkward silence. We were just having like a bitch session about horrible people in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. But thankfully in my life, they're gone. And in Charlie's life, they're almost gone. (laughs) Yeah. It just comes with a very hefty price. (laughs) Literal, literal, literal hefty price. Widowy, a widowy hefty price. A widow, I'm widowy, widowy in right now on my grave. All over the podcast. (laughs) Do you think like some teenagers listen to us and they're like these old motherfuckers? Like what are they even talking about right now? Yeah, I feel like we're those people now. Or like, oh my god, we so are because sometimes at work. I'll hear teenagers say something, and I'm like, okay, Google, what does this mean? Google, what the fuck does this mean? (laughs) Or I'll ask, like, the younger workers. I'm like, so I heard somebody say this. Can you explain that to me? And they're like, Carly, you're not that old. And I'm like, no, I'm 10 years older than you. So (laughs) can you please tell me? (laughs) I lived life when there was joy. (laughs) (laughs) Back when the VHSs took over... The VHS. <laughs> I did, okay. I will say I did not use VHS very much. <gasps> yeah. Oh my god, that's all I used in my childhood. I mean, like I had certain ones. I had Goosebumps because I remember it was neon green, and any Nickelodeon VHS was neon orange. Orange. Yes. Yeah. Like the Rugrats in Paris was neon orange. Yes, it was. Like I guess I was kind of on the cusp of going from VHS to DVDs. And then, like, when I was in high school, they were like, Blu-ray, it's the new thing. Oh, my God. Blu-ray, like, for that that five-second blimp in the universe? Blimp in the universe. (laughs) (laughs) Is it the Hindenburg? Yes. (laughs) I think I meant blip, not blimp. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, for that, like, five minutes, they had a whole entire thing where they were like, oh, you know what? Blu-ray, it's better quality. But also, you can play DVDs on your Blu-ray player, but you can't play Blu-ray on your DVD player. DVD player. Exactly. I was only allowed to watch VHS tapes. Like, I wasn't allowed to really watch TV for the first little chunk of my lifespan. Oh, no one monitored so, my viewing habits, so that's why I am so, the way that I am. Well, like, the TV in my bedroom was, like, not connected to cable or anything. Like, oh, all damn. I had was a VHS slot. So if I wanted to use that TV, the only thing I could watch was VHS tapes. What do you, like, what's the VHS tape that you remember watching the most? Oh, this is so embarrassing, and I know my <laughs> sister's listening to this, and it's probably the same thing, but it's our parents' wedding video. I'm sorry. I just, it like, it confuses me because I thought you were going to say like a show or something, like a show or a movie, but like straight up. Yeah. Straight up. We used to watch that at least once a week. I don't think my parents could afford a wedding video. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I've never seen it. I forget that my parents were married. I watched it so much. Like, I feel like I was at the wedding, but I wasn't even born yet. (laughs) See, that's nice and warm and like so sweet, actually. And like... Some of the songs that they played in VHS tape, like whether it be like a dance or like just like a photo montage, if I hear it to this day, I'm like, oh, parents' wedding. That's so cute. <laughs> it's kind of weird. But <laughs> no, I don't think so. But yeah, you wanted that, to be there. There's three. There's that. 
There's this Christian kids singing in a treehouse one. See, that one stresses me out more than the wedding video. I think, I literally, let me look it up. I literally think it was called, like, the treehouse kids. I literally think it was the treehouse kids. Yeah, I I remember watching a VHS of the Fox and the Hound a lot when I was a kid. And that, (laughs) this is going to age me a little bit. My aunt actually ran a (laughs) aerobics class in her basement. And we just sat in front of the TV and watched Fox and the Hound. And I remember that vividly. (laughs) This is what I'm looking at. A Christian children's show from the 80s or 90s that took place at Perfect. There's a Reddit. There's a, oh my God, I love it when Reddit just gives you the answer. But it's so hard for me to, locked post. Why is it locked? (laughs) Is it the Magic Treehouse? I need to find what it was called. Kids in in a Treehouse singing about Jesus. I do not recall this at all. Like, I I mean, granted, my family wasn't, like, inherently religious. Oh, my God. I think... I think a blip... A blimp. (laughs) The one song is like, We're the kids. We're the homecoming kids. Dude, we're going to get copyrighted. How dare you steal psalms oh, from I, Jesus? It was called the Homecoming Kids. Oh. I think. Okay. But yeah, well, there's that. I have questions that I feel like we don't have time to get into, but what no. the fuck sums up all so of that them? Was, that was the second one. And then the third one, I vividly remember. This is six minutes of me talking about VHSs. I'm so sorry. No, I love it. Um, <laughs> The third one is the Groundling Marsh. Did you ever watch that? No, I don't. Is, wait, is that the one where they're, like, pulling up the tree? No, I'm thinking of Fern Gully, honestly. Okay, okay, I'll show you what they looked. I mean, obviously, this is, there's no video, so, like, just look up the Groundling Marsh, all of our listeners. I'm gonna be they're real like, honest with you. I don't even those... know what you're saying right now. Oh, okay. But the only one I really... I had, like... Because, you know, the VHS tapes, if it was a show, they would have, like, two episodes on a tape. Yeah. So, like, the one I really, really, really remember is, it was the episode about the winter, or no, the summer solstice. You know what? I have kind of the same experience. We did, um, there there was actually a VHS tape that me and my sister used to watch all the time at my grandmother's house, and it was just called The Little Twins, and um, I think they, it was like oh some yeah, Norwegian like cartoon. I know, that's why my mom picked it up from like the thrift store. But um, they also, they had like a Halloween autumn solstice kind of thing. Um, and they were, they only made three episodes of it. I do actually have the DVD because we bought it later in uh, life because it Blu-ray? was so nostalgic. You know, not the Blu-ray. No. <laughs> <laughs> I also remember pointedly not being able to watch goosebumps when i was a kid so me and molly snuck out and uh we went to our neighbor's house and watched werewolf of fever swamp and i will never forget it <laughs> that was also on vhs okay well i guess we can get to our point in the episode where i pull a conversation card from our not sponsored morbid curiosity okay oh this is a very like in tune to today's society one hmm what do you want done with your social media accounts when you die? Oh, my God. Um, so here's the thing. I don't really think about my social media uh, accounts, like, in general. Like, I know I have a digital footprint. We, both of us, grew up in a generation where, like, mm-hmm. 
there's some embarrassing shit out there that we have posted on the internet. And I'm not talking, like, embarrassing, like, sexual. I'm talking embarrassing, like... Thing like, I would draw a mustache on my face, and I think if you scroll on my Facebook profile, you can see it still. Exactly. I... My digital footprint is the size of Bigfoot's. Like, I swear to God. And truthfully... I don't really care what happens to my social media when I, I don't die. Either I really don't either. Like, yeah. if somebody, if somebody wants to like, some so not random person, like person in my life, like I think I'm cool with whatever they want to do. If they feel like it's uncomfortable for them to see my social media accounts, like they can delete it. If they yeah. want to keep it up as a little like photo memory. You can keep it up. I'm six feet under at that point. I don't think I care what I posted right. on Facebook. Right. I will say, on the flip side, if anybody ever uses my social media and digital footprint during a criminal trial, I will throw up and die on the spot. Like how? Like, if you're still alive and then they pull up old social media posts to be like, oh, look how yeah. unhinged this bitch was. <laughs> like, look at that. Like, I genuinely... I could not, I mean, just kill me. Execute me. <laughs> Somebody in, like, the criminal trial pulled up, like, one of my old Facebook albums from, like, eighth grade. I think I would just crack up. Could you imagine if we were on criminal trial and they pulled up that one selfie we took and build a bear? <laughs> Wait, like, did I send you, did I send you the memory that came up? So, Charlie, we were both, like... I think at this point we both had put we left Build-A-Bear <laughs> about like a couple weeks away from each other. I think other. it was like, it was like within and the then, same week honestly. Yeah like we like were it out. It was like yeah we were both moving within like a week of each other but this so we both put in a two weeks notice and I think like the day after we put in a two weeks notice Charlie on a napkin wrote I am quitting. Thanks, management. And just, like, left it. Because we were like, I wonder if we left this here. Like, if somebody would freak out. And yeah. And just we... popped up in my memories. I forgot about that. But I do remember that I think we have a picture of me laying on the floor. I don't know why. And Are you talking about in the back room? Yeah. Definitely laying on the floor. <laughs> because that's when we realized we were both leaving with, like, very close to each other. Oh, Yeah. Mm-hmm. When we're sitting in like the back corner, going we used to, to hide a lot and not stuff. do any work. Yeah. <laughs> like, we just <laughs> wouldn't do anything. <laughs> okay. Oh, you might know this trivial one. Oh fuck. What famous author? Did I say famous? 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 I don't know if I said words right. You which famous? Did. Which famous author is said to have kept their dried remains of their spouse's heart near them? A. Mary Shelley, B. H. P. Lovecraft, C. Edgar Allan Poe, or D. Bram Stoker. Okay, so I know Edgar Allan Poe didn't do that <clears throat> because he didn't get married. I mean, he did, but it was like his cousin, technically. Cute. Um. Oh my God. You know what? I think Mary Shelley wants to be like that it girl. Like she wants to be <laughs> creepy. So I am gonna go with Mary Shelley. And the answer is A, Mary Shelley. Oh, yes. I finally <laughs> got one right. Mark the calendars. <laughs> yeah, I, I, 
like she honestly seems like that person who i mean i'm not judging her i think she's creepy i think she's cool but she just seems like the person who's like you know what i want to immortalize my love with me so i think she did that i'm gonna keep oh that's so cute (laughs) okay so now it's been like 15 minutes of us rambling no i love it i love it for us they don't really know us that well so (laughs) what do you have for us today um, speaking of authors, it's actually very, very on par with what we're going to be talking about today. So I am just going to jump right in. Jump right in. Yeah. So oftentimes, authors pull from real-life experience to fuel their work. When it comes to mysteries filled with insane plot twists and a culprit that was easily identified from the very start, sometimes authors tend to take liberties, but sometimes they don't. So today we're going to talk about true crime author, well, just crime author in general, uh, Anne Perry and the murder she committed years before she rose to stardom. Ooh. Yeah. (laughs) Super fancy. So um, I just want to kind of preface this by saying that Anne Perry is not this person's real name. Um, So she was actually born under the name of Juliet Marion Holm. I think I'm saying this right. It's H-U-L-M-E, Hume, on October 28th of 1938 to physicists Henry Rainsford and Hilda Marion. Juliet had a fairly normal childhood, but did move around a lot due to her father's profession. When she was six years old, Juliet was diagnosed with severe case of tuberculosis, and according to her written biography, a doctor was prepared to return with a death certificate because her condition was so bad. Um, oh. Again, I'm not saying she's an unreliable narrator, um, but some of this information that I pulled about her early childhood is actually from her own biography that she wrote okay. herself. So like, it's her perspective. Yeah, it's, um, I'm not doubting that she's sick with tuberculosis or has been sick with tuberculosis, but um, she, this was like a blurb that she put every, like on every single back of her book. So, you know, I'm oh. sure it was kind of she wanted skewed to be a little bit. Girl. Yeah, she wanted to be the it girl, like Mary Shelley. (laughs) So Juliet made a miraculous recovery, and two years later, at the age of eight, she was sent to live with a foster family in the Bahamas. She stated in her biography that she lived a Swiss Robinson style of independence, a lot of fishing, building, boating, etc. That sounds amazing. We love an outdoorsy woman. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds very nice. And they actually, um, they lived in the Bahamas for a little bit, and then they moved to the small private island outside of uh, the Bahamas, well, New Zealand. So it was like a tiny island outside of New Zealand. And I bring this up because a lot of the time when you hear about, like, people who murder someone, they have a very rough upbringing, but she's from a prestigious family. And, like... right. Yeah, they put her in foster care, and I believe that they did this because they thought the climate was better for her condition. Like, it was mainly, like, not official foster care. It was just, hey, go live with them for a little bit. I was going to say, she's very, she's very, like, Avatar 2 way of the water. Yeah, very. She's very (laughs) Moana right now. (laughs) So at the age of 10, Juliet rejoined her family once her father accepted a position as the rector of Canterbury University College that is also located in New Zealand. Here, Juliet attended the Christchurch Girls High School, and this is where she met her best friend, Pauline Parker. Mm, Peter Parker. Peter Parker. Spider boy. (laughs) (laughs) 
So Pauline Parker was born on May 26, 1938, to parents Herbert Reaper and Honora Parker. They were a working-class family. Herbert actually worked as a gardener, and Honora was a part-time house staff. Um, did not elaborate on that. I just know she worked for the house. <laughs> for the house. For the house, for the home, for the like people who just run this estate. Run this home. <laughs> From this home. Um, I'm assuming whoever they worked for is... A fucking rich. They're loaded. Right, a rich bitch. You have a house staff. What do you expect? <laughs> um, so, where was I? Mm. Yeah, anyway. Uh, while they all lived together as a family, Herbert and Honora were not formally married, which was kind of unheard of at the time. Pauline also experienced severe illness as a child, and this similarity formed a quick bond between Juliet and Pauline as they attended the Christchurch Girls High School together. Want more mystery? Coast to Ghost is currently in its third season, and to check out our old episodes, you can always click on the link in the description to get to our website. Follow us on Instagram at C2G Podcast, where we post photos from each bizarre case that we cover. And don't forget to leave a review if you listen on Spotify or Apple Music. So it was reported that both Juliet and Pauline would romanticize the idea of being ill to the point of being on death's doorstep. The two were instantly inseparable and developed an unhealthy fixation with one another. They'd create a fantasy life together, writing plays and books that centered around their imagined life. Oh, rough flag number two. Are you thinking that this is a little gay? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but like... Is it just me? Like... Yes, but at the same time, like, like I know they drink each other's blood or like lick each other's pee. Oh, dude, they, okay, kind of I didn't like, think yeah, about that. You know, but like, yeah, I could like, like, yeah, unhealthy obsession with each other. Definitely an unhealthy obsession. So both Herbert and Honora, who are Pauline's parents, were convinced that their daughter was engaged in a homosexual relationship with Juliet, <laughs> which at the time was considered a considered it was considered a mental Consil- illness. A, a weagle. Yeah, it was considered a weagle. <laughs> so it was considered uh, oh my god. <laughs> it was considered a mental illness. <laughs> Juliet's oh, parents also became concerned about the closeness that the girls shared, but both sets of parents allowed them to remain friends. At that point they did kind of fear like if we separate them, it'll be a lot worse than if they didn't. Right, so they were kind of like okay, my daughter's gay. It's fine. Which yeah, we love. we love that. I don't think they loved it, but I think they were just like, damn, they're going to, like, do something super drastic if we try to separate them. So, like, we're just going to go ahead and They would accept it. Yeah, exactly. So no, part of their they? fantasy world... What were was they that? in love? Were they in love? Or I don't know. Just, oh. Yeah. Okay. I don't... They... I'm... Due to the pictures, obviously, we'll post them, but um, the pictures... They look a little bit in love. But I think everybody's gay. So Everybody has a little gay in them. <laughs> I want everybody to be gay, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so part of their fantasy world was a different religion than the Christianity that they were preached 
like two. Wait, they made at up the their school. own religion. Is that what you just told me? Yeah. So they did make <laughs> up their own religion. Uh, so both of them believed that there was a parallel dimension called the fourth world with their own version of heaven. They had the ability to enter this parallel dimension after. Res- like reaching spiritual levity which they often stated was fueled by their relationship <laughs> yeah so i honestly i feel like if you guys could see me every time charlie would just say something in that little statement my like smile just got a little <laughs> bigger and bigger and bigger dude it's insane and honestly it's very like why do i love them they're kind of <laughs> camp <laughs> very kind of camp which sounds insensitive but at the same time like oh oh my god like they created their own religion and you know you know they only reach spiritual levity when they fucked each other I just want to put that out there like I'm so sorry to any children that are listening but <laughs> come on why are you letting your children listen to this anyway <laughs> right if you are so, in 1954, Juliet's parents separated, and Henry Rainsford was forced to resign from his position in New Zealand. Hilda, Juliet's mother, was also involved in an extramarital affair that put a strain on the relationship, and this essentially sealed the family's decision to send Juliet back to South Africa to live with relatives. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> they were just like, you're going to go for a little bit. Your mom has to figure out her affair and i have to figure out what i'm doing so they sent her away um or were planning to send her away and this obviously devastated pauline and juliet who were under the impression that after some begging and pleading the family would agree to send pauline with juliet to live in south africa they couldn't bear being separated but knew that pauline's mother would refuse to let her go making honora parker the only thing standing between juliet and pauline continuing their relationship Okay, so, like, I feel like the more logical thing would have been to, instead of send Polly, is it Pauline, is it, right? So, Juliet is the one that would have to go to South Africa. And the other one was Pauline, right? Yes, yeah. So, instead of, like, Pauline saying, hey, let me go with you to South Africa, why wouldn't they say, hey, Juliet, let's just stay? So, from my impression, um, Pauline's family was way, like, they they were strict um, when it came to their relationship. They were the one that was, like, most unhappy about it. Um, so, okay. I don't think they would have let her stay. And that's that's why they saw Honora as, like, the main obstacle between everything. Because they were just like, oh, yeah, we'll just ask Juliet's parents. Of course, they'll say yes. Right. Um and you know Pauline's dad would maybe say yes to Juliet staying there. I already know there. where this is going. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like anybody with a true crimey brain knows exactly yeah. where this is going. Definitely. So, very Gypsy Rose. Very Gypsy Rose. <laughs> On the afternoon of June twenty second, nineteen fifty four, Juliet and Pauline settled in for the afternoon tea with Honora Reaper in Victoria Park. Um, well, Parker. You know what I was trying to say. <laughs> Same last name. Located in Christchurch, after they had eaten, all three of them took a walk through the wooded area of Victoria Park. Once out of view, Juliet dropped a decorative stone in Honora's path, which, okay, I don't want to make fun of them. I don't. If you dropped a rock in front of me, 
You know what I would a do? Decorative rock. A decorative rock. You'd probably nothing. check it out of my face. <laughs> I would do nothing. I would let you pick up your own rock. You know? I if somebody put a rock in front of me while we're just strolling through the park, I would actually be like, what the heck? Yeah, like, what, I, I would be a what? little startled. But again, this was the fifties. Maybe they had more decorative rocks. Okay. I don't, I don't know how that works. I'm not making light of this situation. It's very sad. It's just like it's a weird thing to drop. Um so when she bent down to pick up the stone, Pauline struck her mother in the head with a brick that had been wrapped in stocking. So they had taken a brick and pantyhose and turned it into a bludgeoning weapon. Uh, wait, wait, where did, they, where did they pull this brick out of? I have no clue. It just said they had it. I don't know if they <sighs> hid it along the, the trail or if she had like a bag that she kept it in. Um, but... From then on, both of the girls then repeatedly took turns striking Honora. It was determined that she had been hit more than 20 times. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so after the girls were certain that Honora was dead, blood covered, they made their way back to the tea shop that they had just eaten lunch at. They hurriedly told the owners of the shop, Agnes and Kenneth Ritchie, that Honora had fallen and hit her head. Kenneth was the one who located the body, and Agnes was quick to call local authorities, who cordoned off the area and designated it a crime scene. Despite the girls claiming that it was nothing more than a horrible accident, there was, like, immediate evidence that she didn't fall. Right. Yeah. So law enforcement felt off about the case from the very start, noticing major lacerations on Honora's face, and there were actually defensive injuries on her fingers and palms where she tried to block the hits, um, which is, again, extremely sad. Um, Both Pauline and Juliet were arrested and put on trial for the murder. So they, they like, literally had no question about it. It was just like, you guys 100% did this. There's no way. Yeah, I feel like... 20 blows to somebody really if you're gonna say oh she just fell and hit her head like Mm -hmm. it's very obvious that those are two very different instances yeah I, i i mean i would bet like it's very sad that she's probably like disfigured at this point like right it's it's very sad like there's no way just a fall on a trail could do that to someone right and, and they're then, covered uh, in blood spatter by the way like absolutely saturated oh okay yeah so yeah yeah it's it's a lot so the trial became national news due to the sensationalism of both girls being accused of carrying a sexual relationship with them another so like just like lesbians murder yeah which a disclaimer you guys because some people still think this way lesbians do not make killers like (laughs) you know some killers are lesbians but not all lesbians are killers right yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's like vhs tapes and (laughs) blu-ray like you know exactly right um another reason was just their age in general like it it shocked the world how old are they at the time um so they're around 17 or 18 at the time i know that they were in their senior year of high school okay yeah so both girls were found guilty but were subsequently too young to be charged with the death penalty and said they were both sentenced to only five years in separate prisons oh my god Mm -hmm. so juliet actually served all of her five years before rejoining her father in Italy. And then Pauline only served six months of parole <gasps> in New Zealand before she left the country. That Why? is the part of this case that's insane. I don't know. I don't know if the um, like the stipulation was different, if it was 
just like because it was the 50s or just because they were minors but they barely had any jail time like but like how did the one only get six months of parole i have no clue she they just they just want any jail time i think maybe a little bit of jail time um before she was paroled for six months but like I don't know. It was maybe maybe I had like read it wrong and she was paroled six months after a five year sentence, but it did not sound like she's served any jail time at all. Oh my god. Yeah. It was absolutely insane. insane. Yeah, I turns out New Zealand in the fifties is a very lax on their like murder right. laws. Yeah. So there was also supposed to be a condition that Juliet and Pauline could not contact each other, but that was later proved to be false, and the girls were more than welcome to continue their friendship. However, there is no evidence that they were in contact with one another following their respective sentences. I don't know if the actual murder, like, snapped them out of their trance with one another, or, like, if they turned on each other during the trial. Like, there wasn't that much information. Um, But... uh, Either way, they did not speak to each other after that. At like from what we know, I don't know if it's gone from there. In, right. Yeah. So both girls were given new identities to protect them after their release. Pauline was known as Hillary Nathan. She lived in New Zealand under surveillance for a while before she was given permission to move to England. It's reported that Pauline stayed away from the public eye and became a devout Roman Catholic. She married and raised a family of her own, never committing a violent crime again. She is currently 85 years old. She's still alive? Cute. She is. Yeah, she's cute. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, I mean, this is one of those cases where um, rehabilitation, they didn't have that much rehabilitation, but they also had just a one-off crime. But at the same time, too, like other countries like prison is rehabilitation you know what i mean yeah like prison's here, rehabilitation it's not a punishment here it's not it's a punishment but yeah. in many 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 different countries it's rehabilitation mm-hmm. which is why part of the reason probably why they were released so early um right on top of their age and everything else that was going on um so not Julie, to defend them because they are no. murderers no yeah they're definitely murderers like, very like they're bad Hard, hardcore murderers hardcore lesbian murderers <laughs> so juliet returned to england after her sentence and became a flight attendant um she actually was in the u.s for a while too being a flight attendant she later moved to a scottish village where she lived with her mother she took on the name Anne perry and began to write detective fiction publishing at least 32 consecutive novels so she is a, a famous writer, and uh, not many people actually caught on to the fact that the popular novelist was, in fact, charged with murder when she was a teenager. Not until a 1994 film, Heavenly Creatures, was released. Melanie Linsky, which I think I pronounced her name right, played Pauline Parker, and Kate Winslet was a teenage oh. uh, was a teenage Juliet. Yeah, oh journalists God. had tracked her down after the film and released and. Uh, like after the film was released they tracked her down and and pretty much like asked her questions she pretty much had the same thing to say about the crime every single time which is i did a bad thing i served my time never going to do a bad thing again like i want to be known as an author not a murderer and part of me was kind of like well you did murder someone so right right and it wasn't just like an accidental 
murder like no it was, it was planned it was premeditated it was for sure it was uh, like oh, what's the word i'm looking for oh what's the word they use like if you stab somebody like 32 times overkill overkill, overkill. Yes. Yes. yeah it was definitely overkill um and did not approve of the film shockingly or its portrayal of her relationship with parker being sexual in nature she stated in 2006 uh during an interview that while the relationship was obsessive the two were never lesbians and then this is the other thing that helped me find the case she actually passed away at the age of 84 on april 10th 2023 oh wow so, so a little over a month away. ago yeah wow. she had passed away Yep, and wow. that is the story of Anne Perry, who murdered someone when she was pretty much had a, a child. Life. Yeah, and then you know got Kate Winslet to portray her in a film. That's crazy. That that's something I've never heard of. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, you know, so um, at work we use these computers and we have to use Firefox, which it's frustrating don't get me wrong um but articles pop up sometimes and right. this one popped up and it was just like ann perry author and murderer dead at 84 and i was like what so what? i looked her up and it just it sent me through a spiral it was insane like what yeah. in the fuck <laughs> that's crazy yeah that couldn't i mean I think she could never get away with that today I think not that I like might... i don't want her to get away with it but she did i think i might read one of her books now though like it Mm. have you read any so i haven't i'm like a massive reader for those of you right. who don't know like right. i i write for uh for a separate company for like i'm a very mediocre mainstream reader so that's why i said <laughs> have you read any no you are not i'm I a def- you have I'm very a, good taste. i'm a book to- i'm a book talk kind of gal you're an icebreakers <laughs> kind of gal <laughs> which is okay it's totally fine um, very surface level. I think any reading is good reading. But I have not read her books. I'm not um, very big on detective fiction, especially when it's like a series of books with the same detective. And that's kind of the the stuff that she leans more towards. It's not for me, but it sounds... See, that's like very for me. Oh, yeah. You want to read all th- 32 books and then get back to me on how you feel about it? Yeah, no. Do you think <laughs> I have to start at the first one? Um... I don't think so. As long as you, like, know the detective. Usually they do, like, a whole thing at the beginning of those books where it's just like, oh, this detective did this and this and this is their tragic backstory. This, so. this Google thing says I probably should read them in order or what order uh, to read them in. Ugh. Okay, well, I guess I'm doing that. I mean, get the first book and tell me how it feels. It's, I will say, I'm sure it is very British, which sounds British? horrible. It's very British. British. It's very British. That's... It sounds horrible, but there's a different writing style for British detective fiction than there is for gritty Americanized fiction, if that makes sense. You sent me on a tangent. Okay, so, wow, she wrote for a long time. She did, yeah. She, I mean, that was her passion. That's always oh what God, she wanted she to do. Oh, my God, she, like, okay, the first book she released was 1979, I think, mm-hmm. and the last book that she released was in 2023. Yeah, she, I mean, I would not be surprised and if she a had a ghostwriter, but... Oh my gosh. And there is there is a new book forthcoming as well this year. I wonder if it's the same detective. Maybe we can have a book okay. club and we both read so, the first book. Do you want to? Yeah, I'll do it. Okay, we'll we'll talk about that at a later, yeah. the book about a later <laughs> date, because I just started a book, 
I did too. But you read but you read <laughs> way faster than me. Oh my god, it took me two weeks to get through a book just now. Like <laughs> two weeks it takes me sometimes two months. Proud of you. Because I just forget about it sometimes. But this oh, will same. this will push me this will push me. Okay, so so next month we uh, during an episode we will talk about the Cater Street hangman. Yeah. I'll okay. Ew, I, I will hate, say I hate the cover of it though. I yeah, I did look at the cover. It's not my favorite. It's very 70s. Um yeah, I will I'll give it okay. What if we do this? We give it 20 pages or 50 pages. We don't like it, we don't read it. Oh, but she has some fantasy ones too. We'll we'll look into it and see. Maybe we yeah, can start a book club, is... you guys. Oh my god, yeah. Comment if you would join a book club with us. <laughs> Please, I'm bored. <laughs> but thank you guys for listening to another episode of Coast to Ghost. Uh, be sure to check out the link in our description wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, it'll take you to our website and all of our social media platforms where we post images related to each episode so you can get a good visual of what we're talking about. On our website, you can also uh, leave us a little message, tell us how you're liking the podcast, or leave us any stories, cases, etc. that you'd like us to discuss in a future episode. And be sure to also leave a rating wherever you listen to the podcasts. Only if you like it, though. <laughs> if you don't like it, respectfully yeah, change your mind. You don't have to leave. Yeah, don't, you don't have to leave a rating. But thank you for listening and stay spooky. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs>